I'm Eddie Rowley, and you're listening to My Country Life, a podcast that takes you backstage and into the real lives of Ireland's country music kings and queens. Each podcast in this series features a country star opening up the doors to their past and taking us on their personal journey into the spotlight. Along the way, they reveal their highs and lows, happiness and heartaches, and their struggle to find success. Here we meet Declan Ernie, who recalls how his dreams of a life in show business began at the Marquee in Drumlish. After saving £12 to buy his first guitar, Declan joined a show band while still in school. It would be the start of an incredible rollercoaster career in show business. Declan recalls his early days in the ballrooms, performing with his idols, Big Tom and the Mainliners, and his pride at watching his goddaughter, Buna Healy, become a pop star. This is My Country Life, a Sunday World podcast. So Declan, welcome to My Country Life. Thank you very much, Eddie. Your first podcast, I believe. It is my very, very <laughs> first, and, and uh, I'd say maybe it, one of the first interviews I've ever done for newspapers with your very good self as well. Ah, very good. Through the, Back the in Sunday the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've known each other a long time. A long, time. long time. Yeah, and you've had a great um, career in, in, in the business. Uh, yeah, I had a good old career, I have to say. It, uh, it it took on various directions of its of its own without planning it, Yeah, and it just happened. A lot of things happened and a lot of things happened in the sort of 11th hour as well and uh, yeah. it, it, it seems to work like that for me that seems to be the, the threat in my life And one day you wake up and you're one of the legends of Irish well, country I music I, 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 I would, I show band scene I wouldn't claim to be a legend now and I, <laughs> and I definitely wouldn't claim to be on par with the, with the greats that have created all of this here now because when the history books is written uh, there's, there's those great people that came and, and created a show band business, created an entertainment thing, including the the proprietors as well, who built the halls and, and had the foresight to, to get a, a new Ireland happening yeah. from that late 50s, like coming out of the doldrums of what life was all about at that time. And they are the real heroes. They're the real unsung heroes, some of them. And uh, so I, we, we are, we are uh, byproducts of all of that there and, uh, and delighted to be. Yeah, that's the way I would see it. Eddie. And you got to play most of those ballrooms, and, we, and we, we'll go back and talk about that later. But first of all, um, just go back to your early years, your childhood. You, yeah. you're, you're from Drumlish. I'm from a place called Drumlish, Clungmishart uh, in Drumlish in County Longford, a very rural part of Ireland. It's reared up upon a small holding me, me people. That's where they, you know, the, the very same as all of their neighbours, and they made their existence from the land and. Uh, worked very very hard. It was there was a hard old toil to be done all the time to keep things in act. But the, fu- the funny thing about it, in conjunction with that, was a very happy, happy old uh, you know chug along as it was going. You know as, as things was progressing. And you um, you were farming background, were you? Farming background, yeah. Your dad, what was his name? Dan. Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Dan and and, and Bridget was my mother and. Um, I have um, one brother, Jerry, and two sisters, Anne and Bridget. You're the youngest. And I'm the youngest. The spoiled young fellow. I was the bobby of the whole crowd. And <laughs> I, I got lots of the boot. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you, you you started in music very early, but you, you obviously went to school. and yeah. Did you have a happy childhood? 
I would have had because I, I was able to keep myself happy in the in the way that uh, Eddie was stone mad about music. Absolutely stone mad music and football. They were the only two things. If I could get a guitar and a pair of football boots and tied them together, <laughs> I, I would have been as happy as Larry. That was the way it was. Yeah. And um, you know, we we were born into a brilliant, brilliant decade of the sixties. Yes, coming you were. in there, you're coming into a whole new. Uh, excitement of the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Rock and Roll, the Elvis, all of those. And like there was these little magazines were coming on board with all of the song words. And you had bands like Freddie and the Dreamers and the Searchers and the Shadows and uh, the Page, Jerry and the Pacemakers. And you were wondering about all of these fellas and you could see them all, the photographs of them and the lovely suits on them and the guitars. And you were wondering, you'd be drooling looking at these guitars, what they looked like and would you ever get your hands on one? And uh, There was a, a local shop here in town called Denistons and uh, they would have in the window some of the, you know, there wouldn't be the top brands now like Fender and Gibson and stuff, but they had these uh, reputable enough names of uh, Hoffner and all of that and you would be standing just looking at it and it would be quite an amount of money at the time. So you were hoping that one day you'd be able to make a purchase of this guitar. And and uh, and, and you, you did obviously uh, save up for one. We saved up for one and, and like the song, the Marquis and the Mish, it cost, I think it cost £12. And that's <laughs> what it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, going back to, to those times, uh, I, I presume with older siblings, they brought the music into the house, did they? Oh, they did, yeah. They, yeah. they, were, as, they were as excited about music and they loved it as well and uh, my sister Anne she would have been um, she, she was going to school at the time but yeah, yeah, on, on, on a Monday evening I think at that time there was what's called the top 10 and uh, Larry Gogan would have been presenting that and she would have been able to write down most of the words of the song in, a, in her own stylish shorthand and we get the words down and be able to sing the songs and all of that type of thing you know, it's amazing how yeah. how much the thing progressed, but that's how it was done. And that, that was day. before mm. tape recorders. Before and... tape recorders, and we got a record player then, and that changed. That changed a whole lot then. Was it Anne who was kind of the Anne main and, music Anne driver? Yeah, they were, yeah. Right, yeah. Anne, of course, who was, went on to have a famous daughter. In, famous in daughter in called Una Healy. Una Healy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, so she was kind of your inspiration. She was at, my at inspiration, is right, yeah. yeah, she was, yeah. 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 So you went to school then, was it uh, St Mel's? I went to school in any Beggs National School first yeah. and then we went to St Mel's College here for, I spent a term of five years in there. Right. And uh, during all so of it that... it sounds like prison. It, well, it, it, it wasn't, it, it, being honest about it, it was a great place. It had a, a great name for football and all of that there and yeah. there was all that happening in it. And uh, there were, I mean, fair, there were uh, nice teachers in it. And, uh, you know, if you were inclined to study academics in, in a better way, I was, you probably would. But I was being torn apart with music and I was joining little small bands and groups and stuff while in there. Yeah. From I was probably an intercert. And it progressed up until leaving cert. And I was playing with a band called Jerry Rillins and the Hylos. Yes. And uh, going off to do. Um, me leaving cert and playing as well. Play, I've played in the Arcadia Ballroom in Cork and I was coming back to do my first maths paper the next morning. Wow. And, you know? Yeah, yeah. And 
I I had very understanding parents that that put up with that. So yeah, I don't. Know, they knew that probably school was important, very important. But they knew that I wasn't going to be uh, become a, a bank clerk or whatever, or, or, a, or a lawyer, or, or a lawyer, a no. doctor. So yeah. the, as far as they were concerned, look at we have done our best with him. We put him through school. It, whatever way he comes out the far side, it wasn't their fault. So yeah. I don't blame anybody. I, I, I went in and I don't regret any day that I was ever went to St. Mel's because uh, looking back in it, I met some great people in there and um, we remained friends, long, long, long life friends since. Did you pass the maths? I did. <laughs> I actually done very, very well because I yeah. failed to ever, everything um, prior to the leaving. That was the first year of what was called the mocks. Okay. They presented this mocks and I failed everything. And even the president called, he says, you're wasting your time. He's coming in here. He says to do the leaving cert. He says, you have no hope. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I'll, Father, I'll prove you wrong now. So I studied as hard as I could night and day. And I, of course, I went upon what was called the tips of what might come up and what might yes. come up. And I, I, I think I knew everybody's name in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> Off my heart. And if France had to come up, I wouldn't know where it was. <laughs> and it happened to come up that year. So yeah. I was just lucky in that respect. And I, I, I got very, very good results. And the, uh, Father Falkland was the president of the college. And when I was coming in to get my results, he was standing at the door of the, of the college and he was laughing from ear to ear. <laughs> And he says, of all the people that's ever come in here, he says, I'm so delighted that you passed. <laughs> you, you bamboozled us. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you're a bright young, young guy, obviously. Well, I, 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 I would be fast in, 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 in if when it have to be done, when it have to be worked out, I would put my mind down to it. Yeah. It, was getting me to, it was getting me to get to that stage. That was the, my problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, you had the, the 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 showbiz on your doorstep and Las Vegas on your doorstep through the uh, the marquee in 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 Drumlich for yeah. all the big bands when you were growing That's up. That's right. Yeah. There, it yeah. was a big Tom, Joe Dolan, oh, the Capitol. Yeah, the, the whole works were played there. Yeah. So you'd see the those big bands rolling into town. You'd see them rolling into towns, and they had like big big wagons at that time, like Mercedes wagons, you know, um, and. Uh, they weren't very a common sight coming into a, a small village in rural Longford and uh, rural village Thermish. Was into this sixties or the early seventies? Oh, very. Yeah, yeah that'd be in the mid sixties, sixty six, seven, eight, nine, up as far as nineteen seventy. Yeah, nineteen seventy then was a big change. You know, there was a huge. There came a huge change then, and there were there was a few more people were getting a little bit. Uh, well, not richer, uh, but they were a little bit more comfortable. The, the drudgery was coming out of a uh, uh, rural way of, of operating in life. Yeah. And uh, the 70s, I'd say in Ireland, has to be the best decade ever. Right, yeah. So, But you came out of school. Uh, this It was in when, the 60s? In, the, in, in well, 74, I don't believe. Sorry, right. 74. Yeah. And you joined? Uh, Jerry Rillins on the Hilos. Yeah. And uh, I remained with them for 12 months. And then I was with Gene Stewart for six years. Another legend. Another great yeah. legend is right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he he was playing, you know, the 32 counties of Ireland plus England. And uh, he wasn't playing very much Scotland, but he, he, England was very lucrative for those bands at the time. Yeah. And, and, and they didn't look ahead to progress into Scotland and stuff when, when I think they should have had maybe. So what were you, about 18 maybe when you joined? 17, 18. 18, mm. yeah. So that was a 
an exciting time uh, in a was, young fellow's it, life. It, it was because traveling, it, yeah, you, all over Ireland and England. Brand new, everything was brand new every day. There was something new, and you were you were uh, getting um, your hands upon new equipment, and you know you were able to afford a few new amplifiers and that type of stuff, and getting a better sound and uh, better ways of uh, uh, learning. New music. And the crowds were huge. Oh, shit, they were colossal, huge figures of people all together. Like, yeah. uh, in those days, Gene uh, Stewart, you know, would be going to play in places like Ardbow Hall to maybe the best part of 2,000 people. Incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, incredible. And the Ballyhawnesses and the Clare Morrises and Castlery, like, he was hugely popular in the west of Ireland as well, and Dublin and the National Ballroom and all of those. So you had come out of, you'd gone obviously to the Marquee and you'd seen who Big Tom yeah. and all those. Yeah. Uh, that's where you, you got the the passion for it, was it? It would, it would have been, yeah, it definitely was. Uh, because like to see in the band playing and all the people dancing and the enjoyment that was being, the, yeah. the measurement of enjoy, if you could measure it, I don't know what sort of a barometer you would need, but it was, it was something to behold to see people so happy and, getting such a great buzz from what was going on, including the band themselves as well. So you, you would want to be part of that. You would want to be on the happy card. And <laughs> and the the, uh, the guitar playing was what caught your attention oh, that day? Oh, it would have been like... The, the, the Seamus. Seamus McMahon, he was great. In the mainliners. He was. had a, a very total individual sound and uh, simple, very simple, but... Unique. Uh, unique. Yeah. Very and that's what it's all about, isn't and it? It is, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can complicate stuff there and if people don't understand it and they can't grasp it and it doesn't just, it just hit the spot, yeah. it's no good. Yeah, yeah. So you wanted to be Seamus McMahon or all I those guys? I wanted to be Seamus yeah. McMahon at that particular time. Yeah. And uh, there was another gentleman who played with the Mighty Evans called Mickey Brady. Mm. And Mickey, he had a, a even a simpler type of sound but very effective as well. You very uh, easy, very distinguished from all the guitar players, and uh, that that uh, definitely struck a note with me. That if I was to do something, you need something that's individual of yourself. There's no point in these are great fellas, all right. There's no point in copying them. You need to come up with something yourself if you if you're going to be part of anything. Uh, which. We, we talk about it later on. You did because there's only one Declan Ernie and, you know, we, we know your songs. And it, it, It's a good job. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Um, you, you were a huge fan of the show bands and that show band era and you got to play all those yeah. big ballrooms that, yeah. that your heroes would oh, have played did, before yeah. you. We got to play all of them and got to experience what exactly the whole drive of that. Uh, looking back on it now, it's, it, it's very useful even in these days that... There isn't many still around of that fraternity yeah. that that remembers all of that there, except the people who danced at that time. Some of the people, uh, our dancing patrons, are still the people who danced at that time. The bulk of them, actually, even to this day, are still part of you know they were they, they understand and they were there. They were yeah. in the Granada Ballroom in Granard. They were in uh, the Majestic in Mallow. They were in. The casino, casinos, Castlereagh, yeah, and and the Farfisi and Donegal town they were in all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so great memories, and oh, and, yeah. and you're the link. I, I'm a sort or, of a link now as it's going along. Yeah, uh, you know, people would say to me, "God, it's a long time ago since I've seen you playing with Brian Cole." 
uh, you know. <laughs> yes. And Who's sadly is now both sadly now gone. Both sadly gone. Yeah. Four yeah. of the greats are gone. Uh, well, there's more than the four of the greats would say, but but if the country uh, element of it, you have Larry and uh, Gene, Brian Cole, and and of course Tom. And then you you could you could put Joe into that there as well because yeah. while Joe was hugely pop popular act as a as a pop artist, he was a very it, no no man could sing as good a country song as Joe Dolan. Yeah, yeah. as well. He, yeah. he was He's an all rounder. All rounder. He was a fantastic. Joe Dolan was a fantastic artist. Yeah, incredible. Incredible artist is yeah. the word, and 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 uh, Brendan Brendan Boyer. Brendan Boyer, mm. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And actually, Joe looked up to to Brendan. He he did. Yeah, Brendan, Brendan inspired Joe. And, yes, yeah. and like like Joe was such a character as well. Like you know, yeah. she used to meet him and she'd have you. <laughs> you know, he was a he was he was a, an awful little villain. Like, you know, the way he, 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 he was a comedian in his own. He was way, so, yeah. very small man, but larger oh, than life. Gee. Dominated the room, unbelievably. Yeah, yeah. With his personality. Yeah, with his personality. Yeah. yeah, and he had such great time for all of the fellas in the bands, like he, including like he 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 loved Big Tom. Yes. He okay. Had a fierce time for Big Tom. Yeah. 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 And that meeting the Galtie Moore in Cricklewood, there could be in each hall, and as we were actually there, uh, Big Tom was the main band. We were on with Big Tom and Joe was as as well in what they called the Pop Hall. And then when the whole thing was over that night, I'd say it was one of the best nights of fun I've ever heard in my life. Like to, to hear them, you know, having a a, a, a bit of a skit at each other and yeah. the, the banter, the banter yes. rather. Now between the bands was absolutely something to behold. I remember Joe telling a story about uh, walking into a bar one evening and Tom was at the bar, yeah. and uh, Joe started singing. Four country roads. That's right. And without looking around, Tom said, "It's, it's you, you, it's, it's you, you, it's, it's you. you." That actually happened. That did happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom wasn't going to be caught for no. it. Off yeah. 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 Very fast. Yeah. yeah. No, very quick, very sharp. Very fast, yeah. <laughs> you stayed with Brian Cole then, for, you were with him as lead guitar player for eight years. Eight years, yeah. yeah. Uh, I came in into the shoes of, of, of another fantastic musician, I suppose one of the the, the, the legends of, of, of traditional music, Artie Midlin. And, uh, you know, funny enough, naivety is a brilliant thing, I think, as well, <laughs> going along, because a lot of guitar players who are, who are maybe uh, better guitar players than me and more experienced in one thing or another and more practised uh, were reluctant to take the job because Artie was such a, a king guitar player. And uh, so I took on the job and I was in it for a while because Brian... He he liked the thing to be really really right and perfect and all of that, and those those no man could give him that result more close nor arty. But I came in and I suppose I brought it that little small dimension of it that I was able to sing, and Brian's fans liked me singing, 
and the like the harmony I was doing and stuff and they said God this is a great man Brian how long this man so I'd say with the combination of the whole lot I, I was able to hold on to the job and then I, I uh, become great friends with Brian and we got off the tunes as close to the what Artie was playing as I could possibly do and it worked yeah. and uh, I remained with Brian for that eight years then until uh, uh, we started um, recording then with Mick Flav and I, I started doing a few recordings and chants on my arm at that so they worked and yeah. uh, a song called Picture My World then took me to a different direction <laughs> Finally, uh, well, your name up in lights. Was it was no? He, he, he no. He was a move to centre field. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Eddie, it was a, it was a, it was only three or four steps, but there were, there were. It's a bit like uh, the man that walked on the moon. Uh, it was one giant step for a, a small man like me to walk from where I was standing out to that front of the stage. Yeah, it was a, a very scary place for a long, long time. Um, because you were so used to the comforts of being just there and didn't have to worry about how well the night went down. You were yes, the night was going to go down well no matter where Brian Call played, but you didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, because he had his songs. He was Brian Call. He was that man and the whole lot. The, you know, but then and you me, had to establish yourself. I had to try and establish myself and. In the back of my head was people going to be looking up at me and saying, "Riley's gone. He's no Brian Collar. He's no Gene Stewart. He's no he's no Gene Stewart. He's none of this." So that 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 was a worrying thing for quite a while until mm. we came up with songs of our own and yeah. become popular. And then that soon went away. Then yeah, what was the role that Mick, Mick Flavin uh, played? Played Mick. We were doing a charity uh, function one night, and uh, Mick was singing song and we went in for a cup of tea after the, the, the function was over and Mick started was telling me about you know I, I had known Mick well not very very well but because he was playing on the local circuit and he was working with Longford County Council and um, he started singing these Hank Williams songs and stuff that I had never heard and I just thought to myself this man has a fabulous voice here Christ he's a great tone yes. you know, that's what the one thing you'd be looking for in a singer before Accuracy of how well he could sing was the what tone he had, and he great tone and a whole. And I said, "You make you should uh, definitely record a few songs, or you know, come up with something like that." And he says, "Where would we go to do that?" And a little studio had had uh, actually mushroomed in 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 that loan at the time, and there was a few recordings going on there. I said, "We'll ring up uh, at loan recording studio, and we we'll go over there on a Sunday morning." That was the only morning that Mick was off. And uh, we would have been playing maybe in Frankie's and Lerfaux and come back and loaded up the boot of his car with a steel guitar, bass guitar, the whole lot, and a drum machine. That was it. 
that was all that was on the recording was me and him and we came back and there was the local radio stations were very popular at the time called Breffney Radio and we had Donegal radios they were all over the place so we got it played on there and sure Make, the, minute, the moment it went on, the phone started hopping. Was he American? Was he Charlie Pride? Was it? Who was it? And his crowds from, he was doing maybe 100 people in a, in a lounge bar to packing it, closing the doors, 200 people within a very short space of time of maybe five or six weeks. And uh, Peter Smith and, and uh, a few uh, gentlemen, they caught his, uh, he caught their ear. So they decided to put a band around him and got equipment, a wagon, and away with me. And that was the involvement. So people used to say to me, well, when you've done that for me, why don't you do it yourself? But I always fancied that, the fact, Eddie, that it was going to be a, a, a more of rock and roll. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was singing pop songs. Yeah. You know, I, when I was with Brian, I was singing Rod Stewart and I was singing Queen. I want to break free and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And the country didn't really... Um, it wasn't uppermost in your it mind. It wasn't, no, yeah. because I didn't think it was for that, that, that yeah. scene. Plus the fact that it was a good thing in a way that it didn't leave me when I did go out to sing a few songs in yeah. the country vein, I wasn't imitating anybody. Yes, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't hear my voice going down the road of being a Brian Call or a Larry Cunningham or a Charlie Pride or whatever. Yeah. It was, it, it was just a different thing. And... What, whatever was coming out of me, whatever I was hearing, I just went with that. And good phrase and bad phrase and whatever. Yeah. Even the lads in the studios used to say to me, God, oh, that's an awful long for the accent you have. But Billy Brown is an amazing thing. Billy oh, the Brown, freshman. after freshman, happened to be in the studio in Lombard Street, in, it was Lombard Street, but Westland Row. And uh, he says, No, he says, Leave that fellow alone now singing. He says, Because when I hear him singing this Marquee and the Mish, this was a song that Henry McMahon had composed for me or written up and I put the music to it. He says, I can see that chap because when they used to go, when the freshmen used to go to play in Westport, there was a little fella that used to come on a bicycle and he'd ride the bicycle round about the wagon five or six times and he'd disappear. And he says, I can see him when he's singing that song. Right. Isn't that an amazing yes, thing? Yes, yeah. Billy Brown. Yeah. So that's how it... Yeah, so you, you, your own personality came through in yeah. the songs. And, that's and, right, and yeah. Keep your own voice. Your, yeah. That's what makes you stand out from the rest. That was it. You would yeah. say to any I, singer... I didn't, I, I didn't feel that I, I could sing with an American accent. I didn't want to sing with an American accent. Yeah. Country music was fantastic, but I wanted to hear George Jones or if I wanted to hear that type of music, I'd listen to that. Yeah, yeah. And the pirate, so you went out on your own? I went out on my own. Uh, what was your first hit? The first hit was A Picture of My World. Right, yeah. And written. it was a song written by Johnny McCauley. Right. Big Tom had actually recorded the song, and it was just a track in his album. And uh, it was in around the same time as Donny Gall Shore came, I think maybe off that same album or close to that that Daniel had. Yeah, he was a big songwriter in Ireland. He was. Uh, Johnny McCauley was a gigantic songwriter. Yeah. Some, he, some he, of these other songs would have been... Pretty Little Girl from Oma, Four Country Roads, Annie Tipperary Town, uh, the Cottage on the Borderline, Galway and Mio, the Wicklow Hills, uh, all of those. Well, fantastic. Yeah. I know every one of them. <laughs> yeah, and all yeah. Sim- simple words, as we, yes. we were saying, like a wordsmith that can make a beautiful thing out of small, out of simple words. Yeah. Yeah. That's the key to it. It is the key to yeah. it, yeah. 
And then it, it was the pirate radio stations that really helped the country music scene at that time, wasn't it? The, the, pirate, the pirate stations revolutioned the whole thing and it would have died. It definitely would have died at that time because the disco era and all of that had come in at a huge rate. Modernisation was happening at a ferocious rate as well. It was, it was all these, like, there were, like, acidic stuff happening, uh, creating... Uh, you know, an eradication of, of, of all life. Yeah. And th- that show band's t- scene and the simple songs and all there were, were starting to come to the wall and weren't being played upon mainstream radio stations. And then the pirate stations came up, s- seeing what the local rural people were missing, what the, what the, what they were really craving yeah. was these type of songs. And sure, it, it, it took off. And that's how Daniel became so popular at that particular time. And Mick and Louise and John Hogan and probably to lesser seemed myself. And that that's what happened at that time. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about the, the build-up and the boom that there was. A lot of it came from that era. Yeah. Uh, from, from that uh, late 80s. Uh, into the 90s and, and all of that. And this That's was coming it, out of recession as well. Out out huge, huge recession. In, in recession. You're coming out of a ferocious yeah. recession where the Galtie Moor in London where they had to build a second hall to, to, to facilitate the, the new young Irish people. The who emigrated from here. Educated Irish people who were coming over there. Yeah, the famous Galtie Moor and Cricklewood. The famous Galtie Moor and Cricklewood, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this was a modern generation following the... The people from the fifties and sixties, exactly yeah, and and then and the people of the fifties and, and the sixties, uh, you know, in their wisdom, they were saying like they were hoped that the young Irish people would get education and not have to t- lift the pick and shovel and and get the drudgery that that yeah. they that they bestowed themselves or they, yes. that, that they had to endure themselves and they were they, they didn't want them to, to to follow down the same path, and in fairness. They did do that because the, yeah. the the young Irish people are as educated now and as accepted all over the world uh, as as any other race of people. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. But in the eighties, as you say, they did go to places like England. It was called the brain drain here. I it mean, was these highly educated young people. Yeah. But anyway, the the, the Galtimore benefited. The Galtimore benefited, <laughs> and the bands playing there, and the bands playing there, and you yeah. had you had a double show each night. You had a pop band and a country band. Right. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, a good spot and you know it, 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 the, the Pirates also did help Daniel O'Donnell but Daniel O'Donnell also helped the Irish country music scene then it really, he really lifted that he was the right man at the right time yeah there's, a, there's always that there's always that particular person that just happens to be waiting for the bus at that particular right time yeah and Daniel was the man it wouldn't have been if he had been second down the line or third down the line. Maybe it mightn't have had got the huge boost. But he was the right man. He had the personality about it. He was something different. He had a, a, a new appeal, a new approach, and he done all that. Now, in fairness to him, he did. And then he took he took off the music, and then he took it to another level. Then when he went to the UK and branded it and put it out and become a huge, successful international star. Yeah. But as well as doing that there, he gave it credibility as well. And that's a very, that was hugely important. It, it's the one thing that I think that the fellas uh, prayer that, the, the, you know, the, the business in Ireland in the Marquis days and in the showband era was so lucrative that they didn't have to expand. And they didn't uh, speculate enough yeah. to get uh, further afield with it. 
And um, I suppose you can't blame them either because they were they didn't really need to do that. But Daniel done a whole new uh, take upon that, and yeah, uh, he was the right man at the right time. He brought in new fans, a new wave of people. New wave of people grew and grew yeah. and grew, and you're one of the guys who benefited. Yourself. We were we, we, we were at that particular time because it, it, it opened up the doors for, for people to say, well, that's Daniel, is there anybody else? Is there something new and all of that there? Now, it did take its toll on the other acts and the older acts who had who had been uh, triumphant and had, had trotted that line a long, long time for a little while. Yeah. But the, in, in the meantime, they did, did become the real legends of country music. And then... It turned back, so like even Philomena to this day, yeah. there, there'll never be another Philomena Begley, never. Yeah, because yeah. she she was just a hugely talented person, number one. But her her own personality and her own endurance, and she's as eager to get up on that stage and sing now as she was when she was twenty five. Yeah, and then once you got going, um, you had you have hits that are associated with you. Declan Ernie songs, and they are. Yeah, well, uh, there was another man now that's important in this in this part of it as well, Eddie. The songs, and that's the songs we got. Henry McMahon, Henry wrote uh, maybe seven or eight great songs for me, and they all stood out. And uh, so, such as between the Marquis and the Mish, Anna from from Anna, you got to get up in the morning. I don't need a picture. Uh, most of these songs, and I would have choruses of them and I would have the music of them, the air of them and uh, Henry would have done the lyrics and another man, the very same as Johnny McCauley, that could put the words together, string them together that that make good sense to that uh, immigrant and those type of people in simplistic ways Yeah, yeah um, and Stop the World and Stop the World in, we'll say it's an original song. Yeah. It's funny that it's probably one of my more popular songs. Uh, and I've, 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 of course, I have great time for it and it's powerful <laughs> like that there. But it's still the one thing I love to sing at night is the Marquis and the Rish yeah. and the songs that Henry wrote. Uh, you know, I, I just love to, they are part of your own skin. Was to get to see the show bands play the marquee in Drumlish. I'd watch them all arrive in fine wagons and the cars. And I wondered what it would be like to be a country star. My father used to tell me that I was far too small. And I had no chance to go to the dance to see the bands at all. But my mother would get round him. We created uh, Stop the World with probably the arrangement of the song and it has taken on a new a new, a new um, direction now itself. Uh, there's a, 
a, a gentleman, a great DJ called uh, Steve Cooper. And Steve has took it under his wing and he remixed it and he has put it out to a brand new generation of people. And um, Has made a 2022 hit. A 2022 hit, which yeah. is incredible. You're, you're number one in the charts. We're number one in the charts. <laughs> as, 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 as we speak. Hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic, yeah. it is. 500 years later in the business. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, Eddie. Yeah. These are the little things uh, that happens along the way that you chuckle about and, yeah. you, you know, you get a great satisfaction of stuff like that there. And uh, great people with a different direction and brain. Yeah. To, to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you've met some of your own American country music legends, uh, yeah. including the great Johnny Cash. I did, yeah. Yeah. Met Johnny, we've done two shows with Johnny Cash, one in, in the Opera House in Cork and the other in the GAA Centre in Oma. Yeah. When were, when were they? That were back was in, in the... 1980, 80, 80, 90, maybe 90. 90. Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, 90. Were you in awe of oh, him? Oh, it's an, a, un, unbelievable. Like, I'm not too tall, but this man, i never seen as tall a man in my life. <laughs> like, and, and he was wearing this big, huge belt upon it. There was a buckle upon it. And I'd say it was, a, it was a, easily the size of a good saucer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you could have dressed yourself up into this thing, and he, for some reason he used to he used to have his hand on the belt and he'd keep switching at the at the buckle of it and all this stuff, and yeah. and he, he had this way of looking at you and you think, Jesus, he's going to come over to hit me here. <laughs> he had this ser- real stare, you yeah. know, and uh, an incredible like the the. The presence he had. The presence he had on stage. If he if he never opened his mouth at all, he would have wooed the crowd, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a fantastic moment in time to, yeah. to perform on the same stage at Johnny yeah. Cash, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Have you had more highlights then? Uh, Emmy Lou Harris. We, 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 I was at the, on the... It probably was the last of the big uh, Wembley festivals. Yes. And Meryl Haggard was on us, um, Willie Nelson and uh, Emmy Lou Harris. Uh, Linda Ronstead that year as well and then there would be so many Irish acts in it we were very very lucky very fortunate and a man called Tony Lockman he he uh, pulled the strings so that I was on it and I was very honoured to be part of that yeah yeah that was a huge event in, oh, it in those huge, times huge, oh in it? those times it was it, yeah. could, it could have made you know being honest uh, we, we, we got work in Scotland from it and uh, there was a few DJs from country stations down at that thing and done little interviews with me and uh, got interested in our songs and I sent them our new recordings and they played them on the radio stations and we got little gigs out of it and it yeah. took off from there as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any other artists from America that you, you you always wanted to meet and you actually couldn't believe it when you were sharing that stage? Uh, no, that was, that was about it, no. It doesn't get better than Johnny Cash. It doesn't get better than Johnny no, Cash, yeah. No. If, you know, I, I, the, the real hardline country acts, we'd say, after George Joneses and all those yes. there, no, they never really appealed to me that fierce much. No. Okay. I thought that Johnny Cash's songs were closer to the bone and yeah. more about... Um, more about there was more Irishness in it for some reason or other. Yeah. Even, even the Forty Shades of Green that he wrote, yeah. he he had that thing about Europe. Yes, you know, there was more of a um, a European type of thing in in his uh, sentiments of his song. 
People always think that's a traditional Irish song that, that Johnny Cash took and made his own, but he actually did. He write. actually wrote it. Yeah. yeah, somebody said that to him, I think, in, a, yeah. in an interview. It says you do you do a great job on that Irish song, <laughs> t- thinking that yeah. he must have got it out of an air and so on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Cash reading the air and so on. Mm. Um, we spoke about your sister Anne, who who brought music into your home in the in the, in the first place and, and got yeah. you hooked, uh, and then <clears throat> she went on to have a daughter, uh, have children including daughter Una that's right uh, who went on to become a member of the Saturdays has a huge career in the healing yeah. uh, but she and I've spoken to Una several times and she says that you were her inspiration then when she was growing up as a you know songwriter singer and as a young teenager when she was mm. writing songs she used to go to holidays to uh, Drumlish yeah. down to your, your dad Dan, that's right yeah. her granddad Dan yeah. Was it Dan Joe or Dan? Dan, Dan Joe, yeah. Dan Joe, yeah. her granddad, Dan Joe. And, um, and play, sing you the songs that she had written. Do you, yeah. remember, do you remember those oh, times? Oh, did I do? I, I definitely do. Um, and she was always, she had always this little flair for, for writing songs and creating stuff of her own. And um, she, she has, she's, in, in, in a repertoire of songs that she has written, uh, there's still a couple of great songs in there that she hasn't released yet. And um, she says that she still, uh, she she visits them quite often, these songs, and uh, that there's something that else that she wants to put into this particular couple of tunes before she releases them. Right. And um, th- those times, you know, I would have been going off to play in the, 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 at the Christmas times and they'd be all there and you'd have to be, they'd be, Waiting for a couple of pounds to come <laughs> to come around. So <laughs> the best way I used to do it was I'd have a bit of a singing competition with them all, with the children. And, yeah, and they'd sing and the dolls sing around the boat, and I'd say, "God, it's very difficult now." To, 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 and I give a pound now to the winner. <laughs> so they all sing in the whole thing. And I said, Jimmy, you know something? It's very hard to distinguish who was the best. The best thing you could do is you're all winner. And they all get a pound. <laughs> so they're happy then. Uh, fantastic mm-hmm. times. And she's, she remembers going to, as a, as, a, as a young one, going to your, your dances, going to your gigs. She does. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and she'd be very proud. You know, that's my... Yeah. Not, not alone are you her uncle you're her godfather that's right as yeah. well that's my that's, it, that's yeah. my godfather yeah. up there yeah, she'd right, be bragging yeah. to the other young kids around the place oh, she would yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, she she, she um, uh, you know experiences her life and stuff that she she can write about there and conjure yeah. up into words is incredible now some yeah. beautiful mm-hmm. songs she has still some beautiful songs Eddie written she has tons of songs and uh some of them that she she think you know she she might think herself as hugely going to be popular. Uh, I think that are the, the most popular ones to, are set yet to come. They're yet to come, mm. right? Yeah. She also remembers as a child, you know, watching television and being so excited as all the family would when during those early days when you were on television. Yeah. Any show you were oh, on. Oh yeah, the Life yeah. of Trees and yeah. they were brilliant. Late late show. Yeah, late late, late when yeah. we would have huge. Yeah, because yeah. you would you would have been on the TV maybe every maybe month or a couple of few weeks anyway yeah. on something. Yeah. Uh, you know that 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 was very important in times to keep in front of the the public and you had new songs coming out and there was new things happening all the time. Yeah, and then fast forward, 
and you were the one who was excited watching Una and the Saturdays on the ah, big shows in the UK. One of the biggest highlights of my life and one of the most emotional moments I think that I've ever had was me and her performing on the Late Late Show. Full circle. That. that was full circle. To be able to come out there and get a spot upon the the most prestigious show of and and in Ireland, the whole uh, viewing of Ireland happening at that particular time was yeah. fabulous. Could you believe it when you saw um, Una in the Saturday? It's like, you know, it's amazing. Show business is amazing. You know, that, yeah. uh, starting off, she started off as a singer songwriter in Dublin on the Dublin scene. Yeah, and to go from there into this, they were massive and Do, playing, yeah. playing, you know, uh, stadium gigs, arena, yeah. g- arena gigs. Yeah. Um, it must have been uh, incredible to to, uh, to to watch from. Yeah, seen her doing we, we, from the we, point of view of being the Godfather. Yeah, we went up to her show, uh, the, the Saturday show, and in, in, it was in the Point at the time, and um, there was a three arena now, and uh, uh, she was coming out and being able to do all the movements and uh, the whole. Uh, the choreography. Choreography that had been involved in it, and see her being able to. Twist around like a wizard on the stage, and being able to be on that level of people who does who, who performs at that level, superstar level, yeah, and see her being able to 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 perform there was it was definitely a huge moment. Yeah. It was absolutely it be it was just worth it being there to hear hear and see that. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and great for, great for your for your mother Anne because she. Actually, Una said that they, that her first guitar was one handed down from her mother to herself. That's it. Yeah, that was this. <laughs> there were were little uh, 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 things that happened down the years that we we, we shared, and um, you know, there, there's there's things that happens in your life, sim- small things, simple things, yeah. but they're hugely at at different occasions. They're hugely important. Yeah, you? yeah. Uh, your man, you're you're very passionate about uh, Irish life, about rural life, and you still live in your hometown or outside yeah. your hometown. And, yeah. um, what do you do away from the stage? Well, I would have. Um, I wouldn't be a huge. I don't play golf, and it wouldn't be a, a very uh, expensive uh, lifestyle lifestyle at all. And it's, it's not that I'm, I just wouldn't be into that type of thing. It wouldn't do very much. I wouldn't go on huge exotic holidays and go on rafts and go up on cruise lines and stuff, even yeah. though we do the Irish cruise. Hmm. But uh, simple things is what my life, I, I, I would be involved in all vintage machinery and vintage tractors and stuff like that. And just to take get a little buzz of driving that there. Now, you might think, God, that's very, very down the farm, simple things. But that's what, that's yeah. what happens you have to go with what clicks in your own head, yeah. you know. Some people are into vintage cars. And, that's right. You know, and yeah. even though as much as I would love looking at them and, and all that, there, there's another person within, always within, I think, there's another person within 
you know, and there's two people like Big Tom's song. I had a chat with myself, me and me, man to man. And there is that thing. There's 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 a you that has to be satisfied, and it might be just doing very simple stuff. So you have to feed it that, and that's the way I see it. Yeah, and and feel it. And where do you keep them? You have a few. A little shed. I would have a good shed. Yeah, properly constructed for the job and and, uh, and have you farm do you farm as well I, I don't really no yeah. my brother uh, okay. has a farm beside me and uh, he does all of that there and it's, yeah. it's lovely to walk around about it and yeah. in and out and I see him doing his bits and pieces and it keeps me in touch with it all the time now yeah because that's important uh, it, it is yeah oh it does yeah and also good for the head you know to oh, have yeah. something away from what your normal working life that's is that's right yeah <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, you get I lost in that world yeah and, and the animals and the whole lot of it is like down on the farm you know they, they use it as a throwaway phrase mm. it is a very important thing as you say for your own psychic and your own um just keeping you keeping you right mental yeah well well wellness it's 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 mindfulness in a way it, it, and, and and wellness to to go and relax on a farm and and it's calming isn't it it, it, it is there's a, there, there unless is, you have to work hard at it. Well, oh, and we, we, we done that back in yeah. the time and we and we know every inch of the soil on the farm yeah. nearly every piece every of stone it. Yeah. yeah and that's the great thing when you're walking about the fields you can you, you have several years to kick in, several layers to kick back and remember the memories are there potatoes there and oats in that field and barley in that field and certain animals and cows that was there and, and all the cows back in the time they were named they all had a name yeah, what kind of names? Oh, it's, they, 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 if they bought the the, the 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 cow of Paddy Murphy, well, the cow was called Paddy Murphy. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact, like you know. Right. And, and then there was small Paddy and big Paddy and white Paddy and all of them sort of ones, you know. So various names, yeah. and you, you, you'd, you'd, you'd remember them on hot days, you know, when you would be very young and going down and swishing their tails and stuff and at a certain place. And they wouldn't be there, but you can visualise it. Yes, and takes you right back. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. That might sound very simple, but that's exactly what happens. Yeah, yeah. You you, you have to be a people person, really, to, to, when you're an entertainer, don't you? Because um, it, it's all about an audience yeah. and it's all about connecting with an audience. It is. And uh, you... You, you you love people and you have your hoolie in the sun as well. Yeah. You go off with a crowd of Irish yeah. people. You, That's you get fantastic. to know you, you get to know people very, very well. Like, okay, you meet them there and then a year later, two years later, ten years later, uh their family uh, has evolved yeah. in ways and, and, and maybe passed away and you get to know the trials and tribulations as well and they will tell you. And will maybe draw some comfort from what you have to say. They might have, you know, they'll say to you maybe later, God, you know, something that done me good to talk to you that time because I, 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 I took on board what you said and, you yeah. know, it's a true, it's truer words you spoke and that sort of stuff, yes. Eddie. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that I would portray to be any class of a counsellor or be a, any class of a, a, a whiz kid or an intelligent person, but sometimes... Just the simple word and uh, realistically looking at the thing can yeah. help yeah. And, ca- and have a calming effect and work, you know. As does music, you know. Yeah. M- music is, is, is so 
soothing and uh, but you know when people are in trouble they identify with the lyrics in a song yeah. it helps them through whatever difficulty they're experiencing because yeah. you know they can't put into words what the, the song is actually uh, oh, explaining yeah. to, like, to it, it does songs Merle Haggis says somebody told my story in a song yes and that's what country music is all about yeah do you know like you know the they talk about three chords and, and, and the truth, but it, it, it is a fact, you know, there is there is that thing, there is that message woven through it all the time. And people did feel, uh, people got a better kick out of radio during the lockdown mm-hmm. than they did off TV. Yeah. Because the radio was keeping them more in touch with voice. Yeah. And it was having a better effect rather the than pictures. Somebody, you know, somebody on the TV and they all dressed up to the nineties and yes. they, all they were thinking about how am I going to come perceived through this box here now? Mm-hmm. Rather than on the radio, it's a different story. Yeah. You have to, it's, it's just your voice that's coming through and the songs and that got a lot of people through yeah, difficult time. It did, yeah. And podcasts. And podcasts, <laughs> yeah. that's right, Eddie, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully people will be enjoying this. Yeah. We're coming towards the end and um, I'm thinking what a, what a fantastic life you ha- you've had through music. Yeah. Uh, it's been a, a very uh, enjoyable experience, obviously, for you. You've made it, a living it, it, from it. it. Yeah. Uh, the Hooli in the Sun is, 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 has become associated so much with you. Yeah. There's plenty of Hooli in the Sun in yeah. the Sun abroad these days but yours, you're one of the first and, it was uh, one of the original ones and um, it, it, it set out to, to do what it says as what it said on the tin to take people to a, a, a warmer climate a sort of 99% guaranteed good weather yeah. and that they would go out there and hear their their own favourite artists as well as what you had to offer yourself yeah. and put on a festival of music um, and make sure that they're looked after to the best of your ability. And it is a big worry now. There is a big um, side to it that I would, from from it, it, it happens until it finishes, that everybody is safe and yeah. nothing happens. Yeah. And particularly our age group of people that's on it. Yeah. And um, that they're looked after. And how many would be on your ship? Well, there could there can be any. Well, in the big t- in the prior to the pre- the pandemic, pandemic yeah. there was upwards of uh, six fifty seven hundred people. That's a lot of people lot on of tour people, yeah. to look after. Yeah, <laughs> we would have probably that amount this time. Maybe maybe. Uh, Twice as much if uh, the pandemic yeah. wasn't on, so we had to cut it off at a at a, yeah. a, a realistic figure, and that people wouldn't be over, um, you know, that it wouldn't be overpacked or anything. And it's 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 Ireland abroad. It's but, Ireland abroad, but with better weather. That's right. <laughs> it's a sort of a of a, of a glorified Galtimore for a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it all started off for you at the the marquee in Trimlish watching all those big stars arriving That's in town right, and yeah. playing there. And, yeah. and, and you know, you, you saw Big Tom performing there and, as you say, Seamus McMahon, you were, yeah. uh, you know, enamoured with his guitar playing and yeah. stuff. And many years later, you got Big Tom and the Mainliners. 40 years. 40 years later. Yeah. Playing the Marty and And to this and day... And you were part of that show. To, to, to this day, people say it was one of the greatest shows they were ever at in their life. There was two young chaps that came back that day from the Oxygen Festival and they had seen, I think it was Coldplay and some of the big, big bands on stage and they said to me, this, the the Oxygen Festival is nothing to compare to this, right. this experience here tonight. Yeah. In, and they were young chaps, they were only in their maybe late teens, 19, maybe 20 years of age. What year was that? Was uh, That was 19, uh, that was uh, 2017. 
2017. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and you know, sadly, Big Tom is is no longer with us. But you got to experience that. You got to experience that. That full that, circle that moment. Full circle moment. Yeah. Like every every night you go out to play, Eddie, and and I would say this to young artists who would be, uh, in awe about the the the, the way that the they have for publicising and portraying young artists now is, oh, you need a new single out, we need a new photograph of you out, we're going to get you on the TV when you have the poster and a band and the, the rest will be history within six months. That's not the way it works at all. Because there are nights, unless you're uh, dedicated to your craft or to dedicated to the whole thing, you have to accept that every night you go out to play is not going to be full of people. Mm-hmm. You're not going to come home with big pockets of money every night you go out to play. And every song you record is not going to be number one in the iTunes charts or whatever it is. Yeah. But you've, it's the best song you have at that time. Give your best performance on the night. If it's 10 people, a ton of people or a thousand people, it doesn't make one piece of difference. If you go into the uh, supermarket and you buy a loaf of bread, there's 20 something slices in the bread. I don't know how many slices in it. <laughs> but if you come home and there's only 10 slices in it, you've paid that money for it. Yeah. It should be the same. Yeah. And that's my, my motto about playing music. You're either a minstrel or you're not. Yeah. You're not about uh, makeup and creating beautiful suits and all of that stuff there. That'll come in its time, maybe. But it's about making the music and make it that people are happy with it and you're happy with it yourself and you're happy with your performance. And the main thing for that is to have passion, have yeah. a genuine passion for what you do, isn't That's it? That's right. And, and, you, and you obviously have that in, I, in abundance has come true in this interview. I would have because that's yeah. the way I see it. I'm, you're, you're part of a, uh, it's a very strong word probably to you, but you're part of a, va- a vacation that you have a selected vacation. for yourself. Yeah. And I selected that at a very, very young age and I followed it. And like, as we said, man to man, I was telling myself, <laughs> but that's where... I would let myself down if I seen it any other way or I portrayed myself any other way. Yeah. You're very lucky to have that unique voice and u- unique talent for, for sh- performing and for your your uh, showmanship on stage. And uh, long may it continue, Declan, and I'm delighted to finally get the opportunity to sit down with you and talk about your life and times on My Country Life. Thank you very much, Eddie, and, and uh, I, I want to thank you myself from the bottom of my heart because... You have uh, been there in the background and in the sidelines and everywhere else along the way there helping them to, pr- to promote and keep everybody going with their own stories in the Sunday world every Sunday. And we do all so much look forward to reading that and seeing that every Sunday. So. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you at the next show. Thank you very much, Eddie. <laughs> This has been My Country Life, a Sunday World podcast. This episode was produced by Ian Malini, and the theme music is Rose Gold Renegades by Jesse Frisell. If you enjoy this episode, do consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eddie Rowley, and this is My Country Life. 